Welcome to the Volunteer Nation podcast, bringing you practical tips and big ideas on how to build, grow, and scale volunteer talent. I'm your host, Toby Johnson, and if you rely on volunteers to fuel your charity cause, membership, or movement, I made this podcast just for you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Volunteer Nation podcast. I am super pumped because my friend Julia Campbell is here. It's taken us a while (laughs) to get together, but we've been a few months. (laughs) It's been a few, but you know, this is a by popular demand kind of podcast interview. I know a lot of you are out there recruiting volunteers and To recruit volunteers in today's world really takes what we call an omni-channel approach. You really do need to be using your website. You need to be using email. You need to be using that face-to-face word of mouth. And you also need to be using social media. And I know for many of you, you wonder how to do this effectively. And many of you are also partnering with your communications folks, your Marcom folks, And they're wondering about how to do it properly. And so part of this for our listeners is to give you some understanding of what's effective in today's world, but also so that you can speak to your Marcoms folks with some level of understanding and you have a shared language because they do, they should at least know this stuff. But when it comes to volunteer recruitment, for some reason, everybody's mind blanks out and they're like, mm-hmm. what, wait, what? How do mm-hmm. I do this? So I, I'm really wanting to explore this. And Julie and I know each other really well. So we're going to be super cash and fun. So I hope everybody's <laughs> okay with that. Yes. Love it. But, be, you know, before we do that, let's, let me introduce Julia. She's named as a top thought leader and one to follow by Forbes and LinkedIn for nonprofits. Julia is a nonprofit digital consultant, speaker, and author on a mission to make the digital world a better place. Host of the acclaimed Nonprofit Nation podcast. Yes, we have sister podcasts, Mm -hmm. Volunteer Nation and Nonprofit Nation. When I first came across your podcast, I was like, hello. You know? I love it. I like alliteration a lot. Yep. (laughs) Me too. And then my husband will say, okay, that's enough. Uh, Julie has written two books for nonprofits on social media and storytelling, and her online courses, webinars, and talks have helped hundreds of nonprofits make a shift to digital thinking. You can learn more about Julia at jcsocialmediamarketing.com, and if you go to forward slash blog, you can read all her fantastic content on this. We will link to all of this in the in the show notes. But let's just kick it off, Julia. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Well, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited <laughs> to be welcome back. Fantastic. I mean, you are the first person that we've interviewed twice, by the way, as far as I <gasps> wow. can Wow. I feel very honored. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So I think last time we talked about fundraising. Yes. And this time we're going to talk about social. So Tell us, for those of you who haven't, and we'll link to that earlier episode as well, but tell us how you got started in nonprofit work. What really attracted you to digital marketing? How I got started in nonprofit work, I was always an activist and sort of like a social justice warrior. <laughs> it was always my MO, when, even when I was growing up, high school, college, and I served in the, the Peace Corps, the U.S. Peace Corps in West Africa. And that's where I really met a lot of different NGOs and actually nonprofit personnel working on various campaigns, you know, in the diaspora. And I didn't really make the connection that that's what I wanted to do. I still wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to write. My dream was writing for Lonely Planet, like travel books. Mm. But when I came home and I was looking for a job, I found that a lot of the nonprofit jobs I looked at involved a lot of writing and content creation. So I started off as a grant writer. I did marketing communications, development you know, writing appeal letters, writing press releases, writing anything, you know, writing the entire website, like a lot of us wear all those multiple hats. So Mm -hmm. I was a development director, development and marketing director for quite a few years. And what I do now is I really help 
nonprofits kind of navigate the ever-changing digital landscape. So how to best use all of these tools available to us, how to really evaluate what's going to work best for us based on our unique mission, our unique strengths, and our capacity. And, you know, how can we best incorporate websites, email marketing, even podcasting, social media, live streaming, you know, there's so many different tools, which ones are going to work best for us? How can we fit them into our mission and what we're already doing? And how can we use them to like raise money and raise funds for our causes? Yeah, fantastic. And it is ever changing. Yes, constantly. Constantly. Even if the platform hasn't changed, the use of it or the effectiveness of it will change. And, you know, I think back in the day, I was a, I don't think you know this, but I used to be a uh, marketing director for national uh, employment and training program. And I I was the marketing director for our region, which is like a four state region. And I was doing stuff like media buys Mm -hmm. and and then training local ambassadors for word of mouth marketing and creating, you know, writing and creating collateral and all that. And what I used to do then people still use, like people still do bus ads, people still do radio ads, radio spots, people still do TV advertising, but it looks different. Like Mm -hmm. even I was thinking about this, you know, that Lumi ad for that like lotion deodorant. Yes. I was looking at that ad. It's come on all the time. And I was looking at that ad and I was going in back in the day, that ad would be way too rough. They it looks like a TikTok video. Everything exactly. looks like a TikTok video right now. Yeah. 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 So even the way we're using things and, and if you have an ad that's super, like a lot of the pharmaceutical ads are super like, you know, slick. And, and you can tell it's not it's- marketed to Gen Z. <laughs> Gen Z would look at that ad and say, that is not for me. (laughs) And I don't even know if those ads are effective for anybody, honestly. Anyway, we we could go on and on about advertising. But tell me also, you know, there is a role for volunteers in in marketing. But before we get into too much of that, what does volunteerism and community engagement mean to you? I think volunteering can be, you know, the we always say your time, your treasure, your talent. So you can be volunteering as a board member because we know board members, you know, are not compensated. That's a really huge volunteer role. You could be volunteering sort of as, as I do, I'm on the school committee here because my children are in the school district and I feel very strongly about you know, creating policy and legislation. And I am really interested in the, how the back end of things work. And trust me, that is a lot of volunteer hours and no pay. I live in a small Mm -hmm. town, so some school districts pay their board members, but a lot of the, you know, local officials are not paid. And we, all we want to do is just really help, hopefully help improve our community you can volunteer like my mom does at the local library, you know, the friends of the library and help them raise money and help them have events and donate books. And just, it really, I think helps people become more involved and invested in their communities. It also helps people make friends and make acquaintances, make connections, grow their network. But mm-hmm. I really think volunteerism, community engagement, it should all be about the collective vision that we have for a society where we sort of all work together. And I think it takes a really special kind of person to volunteer when we're all so busy and pulled in all of these different directions and we have so many demands on our time. So kudos to all the volunteers out there and all the volunteer managers out there sort of managing all of the different nuts and bolts of this. I just think it's a huge piece of being a civil society. Yeah. Absolutely. Could not agree more. It is our community capital in action. Mm-hmm. You know, the the sum total of all of our networks, all of our expertise, all of our school of hard knocks, you know, all the things that we've learned throughout our lives, our, our family legacies, our cultural spirit, all of that gets put into this melting pot of volunteerism. Mm-hmm. And I think most nonprofits well, aside from only the board, mm-hmm. most nonprofits do not thrive 
unless they have that really strong community support. And it's very much facilitated through volunteerism, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. So awesome. Well, let's talk about digital. So many in our audience are struggling with how to attract qualified volunteers to their organizations. We've been hearing this over and over again. Folks are having a really hard time building back from COVID. I think it's been particularly hard. You know, we we thought, I think many organizations thought, well, our previous volunteers are going to come back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, life goes on. You know, people, people move. People have kids. People are taking mm-hmm. care of elders. People are switching jobs. People are having lifestyle changes, whatever. So we can't really expect that. But I think that social media may hold some opportunities for volunteer-driven organizations. But I suspect that they don't really understand the big picture. So let's start there with the big picture on social. How are social media platforms evolving Mm -hmm. in today's world? Oh, that's a really great question. Well, I just read an article. Do I have it still pulled up? I don't that the title was, you know, social media is dead, right? So there's that article that circles every year, maybe every two years about how social media is dead. But the point of this article, I thought, rather than just kind of being clickbaity, was really interesting. It Mm -hmm. said that we are relying more on like group chats and chat Mm -hmm. messaging apps to talk to friends and family and less on traditionally like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And the platforms are now really focused on pushing creator content and influencer content and marketing content and advertising content. So if you think about when we all first joined Facebook, I mean, I can't even remember when I first joined Facebook. I know I had a baby, so it might've been like 2006 or something. And my daughter was born in 2009. And I remember it's really pretty. That was how we shared pictures. Uh, Like that's how I shared pictures with the grandparents and with everybody else. And that's how we all said, we're going to the beach today or we're doing this today. That was almost like your text messaging app was Facebook. Now it is certainly not like that. It's incredibly different. I think a lot of people are leaning into maybe groups, whether they're private groups or public groups. They're looking for that community aspect that I think is not there now that these platforms are multi-billion dollar companies and have completely, you know, just sort of acquiesced to advertisers. So it is very different. It's a very different vibe. And of course, every platform has a different vibe. Like it has a different, different strengths, different weaknesses. So, you know, whereas TikTok is much more centered to following strangers. Like I don't know a single person I follow on TikTok, like maybe like a handful of people, but it's Mm -hmm. not geared to that. Like it's geared for discovery and exploring Mm -hmm. new things and following brands and organizations and people that you think are cool that you don't necessarily know in real time. Whereas on Instagram, I do try to connect with some real people, some influencers, some creators, some brands. So every platform is very different. I do think how we're using social media, we're using it more to explore and find new things more than we are to connect with people we already know. If that makes sense. Mm. So I think the I think the usage is shifting. I don't think it will ever be dead. I also, of course, think platforms are disappearing and changing. Of course, Twitter is now X. I don't know what is going on. I'm not on Twitter anymore or X. I've kind of washed my hands of it. I think a lot of people have. Some people are still on there. Then threads came out. Everyone thought Meta's answer to Twitter would take over, you know, kind of engagement has has fizzled out a little bit there. There'll always be that sort of ebb and flow of platforms. But I think if we really stick true to who our audience is and our mission and our cause, and then we can kind of follow the trends, but we don't want to just follow the trends for trends sake. But if Mm -hmm. we're paying attention to where our audience is and who we're trying to target and what's working, and we're being very strategic rather than just throwing things up on the wall. That's what's going to make us successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I agree. There's definitely the advent of advertising and changing the algorithms. I think the deliverability oh, right. went it's way a, down. Now. I mean, mm-hmm. it used to be you could post on, all of your followers would see your post on Facebook, and now it's a tiny percent yeah. So it makes people start to think, well, does this really 
have value for me? Should I spend time on it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I do communications audits for our volunteer recruitment accelerator coaching clients, I'll go through and find, I'll review their socials and I'll find the, uh, the, the posts that get interaction, you know, engagement. And I'll say, these are the, these are the kinds of things that you should do more of. Mm -hmm. And inevitably it is, it's about a person. Mm -hmm. It's a story. story. It's a person's story. It's something about their, it's a, it's kudos to somebody. It's something somebody achieved. It's something it's, it's a, you know, it's always a heartwarming story. And I, I just say folks, folks, you got to feature people. We, we are people who want to see people, you know? So, so when people, when volunteer managers are thinking about using social media, regardless of the channel, I mean, of course, as you said, and, and rightly so, people need to know which audiences they're trying to reach. Who is their ideal volunteer? Where do they hang out? You know, if they're like, you know, retiree, it's probably not TikTok right now, but it might be YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, definitely. YouTube is like the multi-generational yeah. From so, like baby boomers and beyond to my eight-year-old loves YouTube, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, choosing your channel is part of that. But what are the pros and cons of social media as a channel to recruit? Not only to build engagement, to but actually to create conversions or interest, at least, in supporting a cause. I think there's really only one channel right now that is sort of built for those kinds of conversions, and that's LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is built for recruiting. I mean, that's really the strength of it. That's what it's built around. They're mm-hmm. trying to rebrand themselves a little bit for thought leadership, which I think is great, which is kind of another form of recruitment. But we have mm-hmm. to remember that social media was not created as a through way to either donations or recruitment or getting someone to do something. It was created as people connecting to people. And that's how we've all thought of it. And that's what we want to see on it. And it's a great top of funnel marketing activity where you can really showcase the best of your organization. You know, you can showcase Mm -hmm. the best videos, the best photos. You have to remember that people that follow you on social media, just because they follow you on Instagram they do not necessarily know exactly what it is you do or why you do it. They might have Mm -hmm. some kind of inkling. They might have seen something that resonated with them, but we just assume this curse of knowledge that we have, that they're going to understand immediately what we do. And we need to start focusing more on the higher level marketing Mm -hmm. messages of our mission, why someone should care, why someone should be interested for volunteering it really is about telling that story of not just what volunteers do, but why volunteers do it. You know, what do they get out of it? What's beneficial for them? The volunteer stories that resonate with me online that I pay attention to are the more unexpected ones. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, a man volunteering at a domestic violence shelter, which is not something you often see or offering to answer a, a domestic violence hotline or a teenager working in a place that, you know, working in a place maybe with elderly people or seniors and talking about how it really scared her when she started there and like, what were the challenges that she faced? The other volunteering story, I did see one specific story around an organization that works to help people transition out of sexual exploitation and sex trafficking. Now, if they sent out just like a bl- a blind recruitment email for for volunteers. I would immediately think I'm not qualified. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a social worker. I don't know how to deal with this. Like I, I there's no no way I can help. But instead, they were telling stories of people that thought the same thing as I did. So they almost did like a frequently asked questions series around what's it like to volunteer here. What are some of the things you can do? Do you have to be a social worker? No. Do you have to be a psychiatrist or a counselor? No, there's no qualifications required for certain positions. So I think our job in marketing these positions on social media is to knock down almost the obstacles to kind of address whatever the obstacles are to really talk honestly about what volunteering entails and just sort of inform and educate people. And then of course, you know, you can always put a link 
to if you want to learn more. I think on social media, like a text to sign up works almost better because then I don't have to go to a form and then log out of social media. Like I can just open my text app and still be on Instagram and then just text, you know, my, my email or text, whatever the number is to the sign up. I think that kind of works better, but certainly, you know, if you have a really compelling story, compelling video, I think it's going to entice people to maybe want to learn more, but we have to remember people do not know what volunteering is. They do not know. I know that a lot of times I talk to people, they don't even know what a nonprofit is. They don't know what philanthropy Mm. is. Actually, let me tell you a little story that just happened this morning. I have a brand new primary care physician and went in and, you know, asking me all the questions. And she says, what do you do? And I said, well, I help nonprofits. Her face immediately was like, oh, like, oh, really? And I was like, I help nonprofits <laughs> raise money and raise awareness with digital tools. And she's like, oh, she's like, I could, I can't stand that. I, I couldn't stand begging strangers for money. What? You do not get it at all. And so I use that opportunity to educate her. But we but that's the interactions that we have every day. So we have to understand that people do not understand what we do and there's a lot of baggage around that. So how can we use social media, which is like this broadcast tool, to educate and inform and inspire people and to kind of knock down these myths and misconceptions? I'm going to write a whole blog post about it. It was quite an interaction, I have to say. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. You're like, I'm sorry. I'm looking for Something happened (laughs) in your life that you made that face, but. (laughs) It was no mystery. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. I I would be like, hmm, I don't know. I might be looking for another PCP. Yeah, that's another whole story. (laughs) That's for another podcast episode. The state of healthcare. No, I have a fantastic yeah. primary care. Anyway, I told her she cannot she cannot retire before I do. I oh, said, mine retires. Really. This is a brand new one. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, long story. But people really get have like a visceral reaction. Yeah. When I tell them what the, what I do, they're either like, "Oh, that's amazing," or "Oh, that's horrible." Like it's so funny. People yeah. have all sorts of baggage around yeah. charities and yeah. philanthropy and nonprofits. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to kind of explain, pick, to unpack a little bit, when Julie is talking about the funnel, for some of you, may you may not understand what a funnel is. So I'll explain it in really basic terms. So a funnel in marketing, a funnel is sort of a journey someone takes. It's a pipeline to an end result. And, you know, it's it's a funnel because a lot of people will go into the top of the the funnel or the pipeline but only a few people will end up converting into an active donor or an active volunteer or an active advocate or whatever. So, you know, when you're talking about top of the funnel, the top of the funnel is where you're doing more general education. You're, you're raising awareness about who you are, what you are, what you do. And it's, you know, you almost have to think about, and I agree, you have to think about if you're, how you're educating your audience and busting myths You know, you've got your myth busters, your confidence boosters, you know, the mindset shifters. Those are the three things that I always recommend, like types of content you're creating Mm -hmm. at that at the top of the funnel. And I absolutely agree. If you can think about what are the key obstacles for people giving their time, number one is always is always time. I don't have enough time. And so I say, okay, well, great. Can you come up with a story from one of your volunteers or use a a testimonial or even just use copywriting where you say for as little as three hours a month, you can make a difference in a child's life, you know? So you're Mm -hmm. using that, you're, you're kind of going against that, you know, in your copywriting, you're going against that or providing a foil again. And so you're educating people. So people go, huh, okay, maybe I do have the time. And then if you have a story of someone who said, you know, I didn't think I would have enough time. But let me tell you, I made some time in my week to to mentor, and it has absolutely changed my life. I get more out of it than the young, young person does, mm-hmm. hands down. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll hear people when you can hear people overcoming any challenges they might have had. Mm-hmm. I feel like those those transformational, even if they're tiny transformations, we are human beings. We love progress, transformation people self-actualizing, any of those types of things. And 
people think these stories need to be like, you know, you're knocking it out of the park. It's a, it's a grand slam home run. No. And it's, but most people love just regular people stories. Oh, because they're so humanizing and they're so relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the mindsets do you think people need to get over to actually, we're going to talk about, I think we'll do a little bit of a deep dive into LinkedIn and talk about that because that's more bottom of the funnel, right? That's actually reaching out to individual people you can do through that platform. Right. But let's, before we move on to that, let's talk about social media a minute. What are the mindsets or habits of mind people have about social that you think get in the way of effectively making those connections with audiences? Well, we are not that interesting. We have to get over the fact mm. that we think we are so interesting. Okay. We, uh-huh. we are interesting in a way, but we have to frame and create our content that's in a way that's interesting on social media. So uh-huh. I hear that all the time. It's, you know, people want to promote their agenda. They think social media was set up as this promotions platform when Mm -hmm. really it is about connection and community building. And Mm -hmm. this huge sort of vat of snake oil that we were sold, I'm so mad at Mark Zuckerberg and all of the others, you know, for selling it to us way back when saying, oh, you know, come get a Facebook page. You'll be able to reach all of your fans. Come buy ads. Like you'll instantly convert. And here's the, you know, here's the conversion rate. I think we were sold this sort of instant quick fix, get money, you know, get rich quick scheme. And it's Mm. not that. I don't think it really ever was, but the certainly the heyday of that is over now, especially with data privacy laws, especially with people opting out to be tracked on their phones. It's getting harder to target your audience online now. So we need to focus on what makes us unique and what can we bring to the community. I think the mindset shift that needs to happen is it's not about our agenda. It is about the audience. What do they want to see from us and what do they want to consume from us? What are they interested in? That's not just about our organization. What are they Mm. interested in that goes beyond sort of what we do, but more like why we exist? This is what's so, it's so hard for nonprofits. And I do, I do audits a lot like you do, Toby. And oh my gosh, it's just constant here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's an event. Come to this, sign up for this. And that is not what people want to see on social media. You also have to earn the right to do that. You have to like earn that trust to be able to just start promoting or asking people for things off the bat. The other huge mindset shift that needs to happen is we cannot just say, okay, this is the piece of content I have. And I'm going to kind of like force it onto this platform. So if you have content that's great for Twitter, it might not work on a TikTok. It might not work on an Instagram. We have to really think about the platforms almost first and like who's on there and what do they like to see and what works on there. It's not about what we want to share with them. It's really about what they want to see and in what format they want to see it. So we are just not in control of any of these channels and we need to understand that, you know, they are sort of icing on the cake. I would never recommend having an entire like fundraising strategy all on Facebook. I mean, that would be crazy. In fact, Meta just announced in the last two days that now they're going to be charging fees, processing fees for donations, which is a huge thing because they didn't charge fees for years. It just goes to show they can do anything they want. I mean, they can pull the rug out from us whenever they want. So I always encourage my clients, use these platforms, but use them as like a tool in your tool belt. Don't use them as the be all end all for your fundraising or your marketing, you know, diversify into websites, diversify into a great email marketing campaign, you know, use direct mail, use flyers, like do a lot of things, use bus ads. I work with Boston public schools and we run a lot of ads for this college and career fair that we do. And we run ads on the T the subway on the buses because it's hugely effective. You know, we have a QR code. We can see how many downloads we get, how many hits we get to the QR code, but 
I'm not saying don't go multi-channel, but I'm saying don't put all your eggs in the social media basket. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's also, you know, the thing about social that I think is a strength is you can do word of mouth really well through social. If you have a great word of mouth marketing campaign, Mm -hmm. you can have your volunteers do like a week long social media takeover of your social channels. And you can have the power of social is that people are sharing, they're liking, they're commenting, they're engaging, they're sharing. And that's when it becomes powerful when Mm -hmm. you're encouraging people to share. And if you do sort of word of mouth, that's for a micro campaign in in social, I always feel like word of mouth is, and if you get, you know, if you have 200 volunteers and you just say, okay, we're going to do this like social media, like smackdown on this one day where we're all going to hit, hit our, our platform and we're all going to share all at once that creates like a wave, you know, Mm -hmm. and it, and then it hits the algorithm and then woohoo, you're like, you know. So you have to kind of game it out a little bit. Yes. But I agree, folks, do not think that social media is going to be your silver bullet. There is mm-hmm. no silver marketing bullet. There, really there is isn't. none. <laughs> no, there there really isn't. And it's just so true that, you know, there's the only constant is change. And we just have to remember yeah. that things are constantly evolving and changing. These companies are they're multi-billion dollar public corporations that answer to shareholders. I mean, I don't, I'm not a cynical person, but that is what they are. They are not social good organizations. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, the other area, if you want to think about, we often think about volunteer appreciation Mm. as the final thing we do in the volunteer journey right? Mm. We don't think of volunteer appreciation as a potentially top of funnel beginning of the pipeline activity. But if you are highlighting your fantastic volunteers, their stories, what they're doing, they're going to share that. And it's going to also, people can see themselves in, and especially if you're highlighting a diverse range of volunteers, Mm -hmm. people can see themselves in your volunteers. Oh, they're just like me. And you are creating subtle, you know, you may, it may not be a call to action of like, you know, Hey, thanks. So-and-so for being such a fantastic volunteer, by the way, you know, join us now, apply now. You're not, you're not, you're not sharing both of those things in one post, but you're creating a sort of mood. I feel like social platforms can create an identity, a brand identity, a cultural identity, a mood, a, a, a place to share your values mm-hmm. so that people are, are, are like, okay, I agree because people in social, there's so much value, people sharing values, good, bad, and ugly, you mm-hmm. know? So exactly. why don't you be the ones that are sharing the great values, the values, the culture of inclusivity, the culture of transformation, the culture of we help everybody out. We step in and help one another. You know? I think two good examples of like creating that culture, that kind of vibe, that community on social, there's two very different organizations that do the same thing. So one is PETA, you know, people for the ethical Mm -hmm. treatment of animals. I had to look up examples for a presentation that I was doing and I found I couldn't even spend like two minutes on their page, but that they want get to get people enraged. They want to get people angry and they want to get people activated so that they share a lot of very provoking images of animals being abused or in cages and things like that. That's what their community responds to. And that is their vibe. They're active. They want you to be like angry and activated. Then there's best friends, animal society, similar Mm -hmm. mission. They want people to foster animals they want to eliminate kill shelters. They want to go mm-hmm. to fully no kill shelters in the United States. All of their social media is very inspiring. It's like, here's a dog. He might have three legs, but he's not in pain. He's happy. And here we rescued him and here's his story. So their whole, you know, the whole feeling you get when you go to their social media is very different. So right. it's interesting because like you can't be for everybody you can't right. be both things. You can't be PETA and best friends because then you'll turn off both sides. Right. So you really have to kind of pick the pick the story, the narrative, almost pick like what you want to stand for, what you want to be known for, 
and really double down on that and understand that you will not be for everybody on social media, you know, and maybe we could also talk about how, you know, combating like almost it's becoming such an epidemic now, comments and trolls and trolling and harassment of social media managers is just becoming kind of unbearable almost mm-hmm. at this point. So, you know, you really have to, that I think you'll eliminate a lot of that if you focus on attracting the people that you know are going to be true engagers and really get what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll step in and go, hey, 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 we That's don't do that. So we don't important. do that here. You know, we don't, we don't do, do that, that here. here. I've seen that happen all the time on yeah. social media channels where someone's harassing someone else and they're and that someone says, Nope, we we just don't do that. That's not true. This organization is great. X, Y, Z. So you're right. Then you'll build a whole army of people that will like step in for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, let's take a quick break. And I thought after the break, it might be fun to use LinkedIn as a case study. And maybe we can just talk step by step. If If you were looking to recruit volunteers, how would you use LinkedIn just step by step? Mm-hmm. to as part of your a main part of your recruitment campaign not a main part but a a supplemental part of some of the other things you're doing in an omni-channel approach but i think that would be fun i think our audience would love to have that practical those practical tactical ideas sure. so w- are you up for it yes awesome all right we will be back right after this break with more on how to recruit volunteers with julia campbell we're gonna we're gonna drill down on linkedin linkedin is on the rise y'all and I'm in, I'm part of some entrepreneur masterminds, and it, it, it I'm I'm part of two or three different groups, and it is the hot topic right mm-hmm. now. How do we use LinkedIn better? How do we do it? So, gang, we're gonna get into it right after this break. If you enjoyed this week's episode of Volunteer Nation, we invite you to check out the Volunteer Pro Premium Membership. This community is the most comprehensive resource for attracting, engaging, and supporting dedicated, high-impact volunteer talent for your good cause. Volunteer Pro Premium Membership helps you build or renovate an effective What's Working Now volunteer program with less stress and more joy so that you can ditch the overwhelm and confidently carry your vision forward. It is the only implementation of its kind that helps your organization build maturity across five phases of our proprietary system, the Volunteer Strategy Success Path. If you're interested in learning more, visit volpro.net forward slash join. Okay, we're back with our exploration of how to recruit volunteers with my friend, Julia Campbell. (laughs) We are going to have fun. We are going to dig into LinkedIn and use it as a bit of a case study. So Julia, thinking about this, if you were a volunteer coordinator and you needed to start from scratch, let's say you ha- your organization has a LinkedIn company page, you have your own personal LinkedIn mm-hmm. profile, how would you go about using LinkedIn to supplement or support your recruitment campaign? LinkedIn is such a fantastic place to find a very targeted group of people. And people on LinkedIn are a little bit more serious. I see much less trolling and harassment and there is some spam, but it's usually professionally related. It's not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not just help me get you 10,000 followers in five minutes like it is on Instagram. So it really is a whole just interesting, almost like feel, look and feel to it. What's the most important thing on LinkedIn is your headline and sort of your cover art. So if you are actively looking for something, I would even put it in your headline. I've seen people that work for organizations, they have a title, they have a director of development, director of marketing, but their headline is, you know, looking for connections or looking for people who support, you know, food justice policies, things like that. So Think strategically about your headline because it's the first thing that people are really going to see about you. It doesn't have to be your title and your organization. It can be anything creatively that's going to really attract people. Also, your cover art is re- can tell a story too. Your cover art can have anything you want. You can change it out as many times as you want. Think about if people are coming to your profile to see what you're all about. 
what is it that you want them to know first? I mean, really it's Mm -hmm. very just being strategic. And then your about section is also incredibly important. I've seen about sections that are really creative and well-crafted. And I know exactly who this person's looking to connect with on LinkedIn. And then I've seen some that look like they just kind of cut and paste their, you know, bio from their resume. So focusing a little bit on maybe amping up, jazzing up, like snazzing up your profile and really talking to what you're looking for and who you're looking to connect with and talking a little bit about what volunteering is like, or at least including those links. Then the second piece is posting consistently on whatever it is that you want to be known for. So LinkedIn is a great place to build thought leadership. It's a great place to share helpful resources and connect with other people, but it's not a great place to just sort of say, we're looking for volunteers. Here's the link. It's more, here's a great volunteer story or telling your personal story works really well on LinkedIn. You know, when I first started at this organization, I was so nervous because of X, Y, Z. Now I love what I do and just really being personal and being a little bit vulnerable on LinkedIn tends to get a lot of engagement and work really well. And then there are all sorts of tools. If you go to, um, nonprofits.linkedin.com. You can actually talk to a representative. You can create paid ads for specific volunteer recruitment opportunities. So if you have a very specific opportunity that, you know, is, is led into an application form and you don't mind sharing it out to the masses, LinkedIn is a great place for that. And it can help you target by industry, by title. It can help you target by location. So there's really all sorts of very intricate like audience targeting tools Mm -hmm. available to you also. Yeah. So folks have to, I'm hearing a couple things. Number one, folks have to be comfortable using their own personal profile in LinkedIn. Their profession, it's sort of, I, I, I yeah, it's your professional profile. I mean, I share personal stuff on LinkedIn because I am me, myself and I over here, right? I don't have a boss looking over my shoulder. I can choose to share a photo of my kids and on Labor Day if I want to. So that's, Mm -hmm. but that's also my comfort level. Right. So yeah, for, for someone that's a volunteer manager, they might need to rein that back a little bit, but that's fine too. Just sharing that little bit of personality. Yeah. And I think for folks to understand that that's the, if you decide to use a platform like this, this is what you're using it for. Yes. And you need to, you know, it's funny in, on websites, I'll often say, you know, if you're asking people to email you or connect with you, why not put a picture of yourself? Why yes. not put your name, not volunteer at ABC nonprofit? Like yes. people are reaching out to the void, make it personal Make it personable, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. folks need to get clear on, and I think, you know, because it's a professional platform, people are usually fairly professional because they know like sooner or later they might be looking for a job, et cetera, et cetera. So it's an interesting hybrid of your own professional stuff you're talking about. But what you're saying is you're also letting people know that there's this aspect of your needs or experience or or a job where you're looking to connect with people in this way, as opposed mm-hmm. to like an entrepreneur who's saying like, look, I'm looking to connect with potential customers or people who are interested in this, getting help with this thing. Yes. You're saying, well, look, I, this is me as a professional human being. Here's my experience, et cetera. And by the way, I'm mm-hmm. looking to connect with people who are interested in supporting this type of work, this type, mm-hmm. who people who are, for example, passionate about helping puppies and kittens. Right. Exactly. And you can always, I've seen posts on LinkedIn that say, you know, this is why I love my job. And then they'll they'll give a story about something that happened. I've seen fundraisers do that, that say, Mm -hmm. you know, I really was struggling meeting the year end goal, but then this happened. Or they talk about this is what, this is why I love my job. I was out in the field and I saw this X, Y, Z. And, you know, and then it, it kind of works, it works itself into There are many ways to get involved and here are some ways to get involved. Or you could just see who comments and interacts with that post. And if you feel confident, you can reach out to them via DM. 
still like, I'm not a huge fan of the cold outreach just myself, mm-hmm. but I know it works for a lot of people. And right. some people, if they write on your post, that says like, looks like a great organization, then you might want to say to them, oh, well, here are some yeah. opportunities. If you want to get more involved, no pressure. If not, you know, yeah. have a, have a great day. Like just keep it very light. Like I, the way I like to see it, I'm sure you do too, Toby is like, it's an opportunity. It's a gift to them that you're presenting and it's not like a hard sell. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't like the real intense stories of pain and suffering. I mean, no. like I, I don't feel like pe- people want to back a winner. Yeah. They want to back progress. They want to get part, they want to be become part of something bigger than themselves. And that bigger thing is not suffering unless that's your audience. Like, you know, maybe the PETA folks are more about like getting people enraged, but you know, and I, I do think too, when you're talking about educating the content, so there's con there's posts about, Hey, here's a day in the life of me or the day in the life of one of my volunteers. I'm here interviewing one of my volunteers. Hey, what are you guys up to today? The other thing is just like five things you didn't know about domestic violence. Yep. Or, you know, what are the three top things people love about volunteering with us? What are things that surprised our volunteers when they joined us? Mm-hmm. You know, just or some things you didn't know about, did you know these facts about, you know, healthcare access in our community? So you can mix it up. It, mm-hmm. You almost think think of it as an edu- like micro micro content, micro education, like micro learning. Right. Right. The food pantry where I live, they're, they're posting almost once a month about like, did you know, like we don't accept Mm -hmm. this in the food pantry or did you know that, you know, feminine items, napkins are the most needed item. And then whenever they do a post like that, they will get an influx of people calling, donating because people just don't, they don't know that, you know, they just, right. There's no way for us to know that, okay, if you donate a turkey, you should probably donate it a week before so that it has a chance to thaw. And like, there's just all sorts of things that I wouldn't know. And I trust them to tell me, but it inspires people to give and, and pass it on. And it inspires people to get involved. And it's not even an ask. It's like you just said, it's more of like a, did you know? And then people see it and say, oh, I didn't know that. Here's what I'm going to you know, do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's, you know, I've been in the past, I remember LinkedIn groups were really big, but it feels like when I go on some of these LinkedIn groups that there's sort of like crickets going on. Do you think <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do you think LinkedIn groups are like a thing of the past or are some people still using LinkedIn groups? I, I mean, I could see people using it for volunteers, for example, mm-hmm. or to build a community oh, of volunteers. I think the networking groups are kind of going by the wayside, you know, groups that just exist purely for networking, but definitely you could create a LinkedIn group around an event around volunteers, around alumni, around volunteer recruitment, I think you could absolutely create a group around that. But I do think the more broad ones, like I know a lot of nonprofits create a group around their nonprofit, but sort of what is different in that group from your company page? Like you have to be sure that there's a differential and that there's something for people in this group that they can't get somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I think using the group as a community, I like the idea actually of a pop-up community group around an event. Yeah, totally. Have a beginning, middle, and end to it. Events even- are so amazing on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn events. You get yeah. a calendar invite. You get reminders. You can tag mm-hmm. other hosts. You can invite your connections. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn events are fantastic. Anytime I do any webinar, anything, I, I will create a LinkedIn event. So um, gang, if you're for recruit, how to, you know, use LinkedIn to recruit yes. volunteers, you could create info sessions. Yes. Some people bring people immediately to an orientation. If your orientation is really, you know, intensive, like multi-day or lots yeah. of hours or whatever. And some, some are, some of our skill, mm-hmm. skills, some of our volunteer roles require a lot of training. I always recommend people do an info session first, either online or in person. You know, I like webinar based and Mm -hmm. you started your info session out with like, let's introduce, why are you here? Why do you care about this cause? We build connections 
So you could use LinkedIn events to promote those info sessions Mm -hmm. and connect with people ahead of time because you know who RSVP'd. So you're like, I'm so excited to see you this week. What exactly. do you, what, you what, tell me a little bit about yourself. What, what were you, you're cultivating that relationship before people even show up. Absolutely. So, so, like use the tool. What, what about company pages? Are those, yeah. are those helpful at all in any way? Cause I know my company page is not, you know, people follow me. They don't follow my company page for the most well, part. I think for an organization, it's definitely important to have a company page because Google loves LinkedIn. So, you know, if you Google me, you'll probably find my LinkedIn profile first. Google, they love LinkedIn. They hate Facebook and Twitter (laughs) and Instagram. (laughs) So you want to kind of be where Google wants you to be. So if you have a company page, you're much more likely to be found in a Google search. And then Mm. also it's just good to link to, you know, if you have employees, you can link to the page, right? You can use the company page like you would a Facebook page. It's not going to get as much engagement as people, but that's the same across social media. I do think it's important to have, and it's, you know, it's an important place where people can go if they click on your profile and they see, oh, who else works here? Or that could also be a great recruitment tactic because, When I see, say someone connects with me from an organization, I can look at the organization, see who I'm already connected with on LinkedIn, and then also see other people I might want to be connected to. So it's, it's kind of almost on, it's on, of course, the individual to connect themselves, to put their work profile or volunteer profile, connect it with your company page. But it is a great way for someone to see the scope of the number Mm. of people on LinkedIn and maybe say, Oh, I know that board member or, Oh, I know that other person and I'll reach out to them or it just creates that social proof. So in that way, I do think it's valuable. Yeah. It's almost like likes, but with like real people. (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of likes on steroids, right? So if you get, if you haven't asked your volunteer, you know, if you're prepping your LinkedIn your camp recruitment campaign, you know, you want to recruit volunteers using LinkedIn as part of your strategy, make sure before you start to do a pre-launch campaign with your look, con- your current volunteers and make sure they all connect themselves as well yes. as your staff so that you have tons of people connected with your organization. I think yes, that's absolutely, that social proof is great. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's talk about one more thing before we wrap up. We've been mm-hmm. talking for a while. We we always get to talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I love it. But so the one thing I think people s- stop short on social sometimes is actually making the ask. Mm-hmm. So you know they start having a conversation. Oh, so you follow our oh, and this, you know, and we have a back and forth, and and we haven't we establish rapport, and then they stop short. And they say, well, I'm not going to ask them to volunteer. If they really wanted to volunteer, they'd click on the link in one of our promotional posts. So I'm not going to make an ask. I don't Mm -hmm. want to be pushy. I don't, I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to be hardcore. I think a lot of people really stop short of actually making an ask. So Mm -hmm. how do you, how would you coach somebody through that? And you talked about having people not click on a link and go to an application form elsewhere. How does that, how does that logistically work? So let's first, let's talk about, so how would you coach somebody who says, well, you know, I I feel, I don't want to be pushy. Well, I mean, let's talk about what your job is, right? So when I was a fundraiser, that was my job. My job description was for not to be pushy, but to help an organization reach a target sort of no matter how I did that. So the other frame, you know, the frame of mind you need to get in is, first of all, this is my job. But secondly, this is an opportunity for someone who might not have heard about it. And that's really the way we have to think about it. Because if we're constantly making excuses, if we have our own stuff, I just, I'm speaking from a fundraiser perspective, our own stuff about money, asking for money, like that my doctor apparently does, you know, if it's horrifying, it's awful. It's it's not going to serve you well in your job if that's your job. So we have to think about it as I'm sort of presenting this to you. And if you're cool with it, great. If not, then no problem. So when I invite people to come on my podcast, I 
first of all, make it personal. So I say, oh, I followed you on LinkedIn or I read your blog post. There's always a reason that I'm, I'm asking you. If you are interested, just let me know. If not, happy to just connect with you on LinkedIn, like no harm, no foul. And 99% of the time they'll say, oh yeah, I'd love to learn more. You know, send me the link to, you know, schedule whatever. But if you never just present it as that opportunity, it's like, I don't know who said it. What is you? Oh, you take, it's probably, it's, I don't know, some hockey player, you score zero goals if you don't take any shots or something like right. that. So right. I'm, I'm messing up that very famous quote, <laughs> but you, you know, you, you get all no's if you don't ask and then whereas right. you might get it a yes occasionally. So it's just yeah. in the way you frame it, I think be yourself, be personable, be friendly. What you don't want to do, what I have seen fundraisers do is Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to do this. This is so cringy, blah, blah, blah. You just don't want to make the other person feel like you feel it's cringy. You want to transfer yep. your excitement and your enthusiasm about it to this other person. And if yep. they don't have it, if they're not into that, then that's fine. It's yep. what bothers me is when someone asks me something and I clearly say no, and then they keep asking me. Yes. They ask me once and I say no fine. If they're continually like, well, are you sure? Because I looked at your website and blah, blah, blah. You really need this software. That annoys me. But if they just present me with an opportunity and they give me, they give me the chance to say, you know what? No, not right now. That's fine. I think we need to give people the benefit of the doubt that they're not going to sort of jump down our throat. We all have that experience where we send out an email you know, to 4,000 people and one person wrote something nasty back. And of course that person is the only person we think about for the rest of our lives. But the point is that was 3,999 people <laughs> that did it. Yeah. Right. So we have to start thinking about just like fr- reframe it in our mind a little bit. Like people are rooting for you. They want you to succeed. People, the majority of people are not going to react horribly to it. So just, just be yourself, be natural and frame it as like an exciting opportunity, but that it's okay if they say no. Yeah. I mean, I think too, asking people if they, asking for permission to share it, mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know what? I noticed, I noticed you're, you're responding yes. a lot to our posts in LinkedIn. Absolutely. Sounds like, it seems like you have a lot of passion for this cause. You know, we have some volunteer opportunities coming up. That you might be a really good fit for. Perfect. Would I you would you be interested in learning more? And then you wait for them to say yes. And when they say yes, you go, "Great! Can I send you a link? I'll send you a link." You know, Perfect. it's it's about it's you know we we I'm learning this from our one of my coaches. You know, he calls it P to P, person to person outreach. So it's not that different than nonprofits are used to outreach. It's what we do. It's part of our culture. We always are doing outreach. It's just doing outreach digitally online and and presenting people with an opportunity. I like to, you know, pull, sometimes people have a certain expertise. Hey, I noticed you have expertise in XYZ. We could really use a little help with XYZ or do you take on any pro bono work or you know, it looks like you have a passion for this. We have an opportunity coming up. We have an opportunity for an event. Would you love to, would you like to hear more about supporting it as a volunteer? And you're just sort of like asking for permission to send them a link or to give them your, e- for them to give you their email. So you can mm-hmm. email, do we, I can email you an info packet and I'll be in touch. Or can Absolutely. I give you a call or, you know, wh- whatever way you want to link up with people, no pun intended with LinkedIn, <laughs> But, but I think also just calling out that that you see people, like when you're looking for a podcast guest, you're saying, look, I see that you do X, Y, Z. People need to, you're not sending a blanket to everybody. You're saying, I see you as an individual human. I see you. People like to be seen. Yeah. And most of us are not trying to get 5,000 volunteers overnight in one you know, we're, we're, we have to do this in an individual case by case basis. And I think that's what LinkedIn yeah, I think it's still okay. In my mind, it's still okay to post a few bro- more broadcasts. Hey, we're having an info session soon. You know, use it, yeah. use the events part of it though. But we do that. We do that. But so I think it's a mix, right? It's definitely a mix. It's a mix. You've got to earn 
the right to ask people for stuff. You got to give them the value and like in the how-to posts and the educational, the information, the inspiration, the storytelling, and then you can mix in your own asks with that. I think it does need to be a mix, but you can absolutely do it. Absolutely. All right. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm glad we finally got there. Yes, me too. So just let the audience know, and we'll post some links in the show notes. We'll put to the LinkedIn for nonprofits. We'll put Julia's website. We'll put a link to your podcast. Anything else? What's the best way for people to learn more about your work and how you can support nonprofits? Well, it's funny. I would love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn. So it's, I'm Julia Campbell. I got the first Julia Campbell on LinkedIn. So linkedin.com slash in slash Julia Campbell. Look me up, connect with me. I'm what's called a lion, a LinkedIn open networker. So if it looks like it makes sense, even if I've never met you, happy to connect, learn more about you. And my podcast, you know, look up Nonprofit Nation with Julia Campbell just wherever you're listening to this podcast. Those are sort of my two, my two favorite outlets. Awesome. Awesome. One more last question before we wrap up. What are you most excited about in the year ahead? I am most excited about launching my social media course for nonprofits. So that's really not a plug for it, but <laughs> I'm revamping it. I'm redoing it. I'm completely changing the format. So I'm going to be launching that in 2024 again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you, you know, if you listen to my podcast, you'll, you'll get all the, the information or follow me on LinkedIn, but all I'm super excited about what's in store for that. Oh, that's awesome. So gang, if you want to go for a deep dive next year and really learn how to use social media, you gotta, you gotta take Julia up on her, her course. So, all right. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I know we've got to do it more often, even though you've already been twice here. It's great. So we'll talk again, but thanks everybody again for joining us. If this was helpful to you, I hope you'll share it with a friend or colleague. And as always, we would love to have your ratings and reviews. It helps us reach more people with the pod and more followers who are interested in the power and potential of volunteerism. So thanks again, Julia, and everybody, we will see you same time next week on The Volunteer Nation. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Volunteer Nation podcast. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can reach people like you who want to improve the impact of their good cause. For more tips and notes from the show, check us out at tobyjohnson.com. We'll see you next week for another installment of Volunteer Nation.